Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey everybody, it's your boy Dustin here for episode 297 of the Ham Radio Podcast. I know, take it easy. You might be a little shocked right now by what you're seeing. There's no Maddie, no Carrick. What's happening? The world could be coming to an end, for all we know. But no, that's not the case. So here's what's going on. Maddie is taking a little bit of a personal day, spending some time with his family. Carrick not feeling so hot. I don't know exactly uh, what the deal is going on. I know he canceled his own podcast. And so, uh, yeah, let's just give Carrick a little time to, you know, to get some R&R and relax. You know, it's Friday. So Maddie was trying to figure out what to do. He was like, you know, maybe I can do something myself real quick. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't totally sure. And I said, Maddie, no, no, your boy Dustin's going to take care of this. If you want, I, I, I offered to him to do a solo episode for you guys. I've never done a solo podcast before, so it's either going to be great and hopefully you guys love it, or it's going to be a train wreck. So either way, I mean, I'm guessing either way it would be entertaining. I don't know. I, As you guys know, I've been streaming a lot more, so I have experience just, like, speaking out into the void. So maybe that'll apply here. But maybe it won't. Maybe it won't either. But I told Manny, I said I would take care of it. No problem. And so, yeah, I'm excited. We've got some news items to go over. We've got some listener questions. I really don't know how long this is going to be. I'm hoping that I can go for hopefully about an hour. It it might be a little, a little less. It's going to just be as long as it needs to be. It's a very different solo podcasting, even just from uh, this little intro that I've done. It's like, there's no one to bounce off of. It's just you. So mad respect to Maddie who regularly does these you know sh- this these solo episodes as needed just because it's a it's a totally different ball game for podcasters i've been podcasting for 7 years now maybe i don't exactly know i th- 7 years sounds about right but it's totally different when you're podcasting by yourself but it's an exciting new experiment for me to try out for sure so but yeah, and it's also, I have to say this right off the top too, It's uh, it means a lot that Maddie trusts me enough to, you know, post an entire video on his channel that he's not even in. Um, and, you know, Maddie and I have, you know, uh, waxed poetic about wanting one another many times on the podcast, but uh, always appreciative of him and his friendship and, 
yeah, it's very cool to be doing this. It's very cool. It's been cool being a part of this show for the past few months now. It, it's been longer than a few months, actually. I can't remember. I don't know when we started this. When did I, when was episode one for me? I don't I don't know. I've I've lost all concept of time, as many of you have with all the you know different lockdown related stuff. It's just like time feels different. Um, maybe not in a bad way. But so yeah, go go and crack open a cold boy. I've got a an Arizona green tea. That uh, what's exciting here, guys? What's exciting for me? This is the excitement in my life right now. Is my my parents are here visiting for the weekend. They live in Virginia now. They used to live in this house, but they sold it to me, which is awesome because they gave me a great deal. And now I have uh this house that I love very much to live in. And so I guess that's not important to the story, but they are here visiting and my dad, he was moving out of his office because his work is changing because of different work at home related stuff. And his boss gave him a mini fridge. And my dad was like, I don't, I don't have any use for a mini fridge. So actually you guys can't see it, but it's over there right now. This chair is here. Cause my dad is here working as well. And, uh, Yeah, so now I have my own mini fridge that I can crack open an Arizona green tea or maybe maybe a brewski whenever I want. Maybe mid-show. Nothing can stop me at this point. But anyway, you guys are here for video game talk. So let's get into some video game talk. First of all, backwards compatibility is coming to xCloud. This was a big one. This is the only one Maddie's like, hey, make sure to cover this because this is a you know pretty big deal. And so we got an article over on the news.xbox.com. Oh, okay. This is still called Xbox Wire. It's just not Xbox Wire isn't the URL. It's, uh, it's news.xbox.com. But it says backwards compatibility reaches the clouds for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members. And so, basically, they are expanding the lineup of xCloud games that are playable on Android phones to also include some older backwards-compatible titles from the 360 and even the original Xbox era. That's pretty cool. So, let's get into some of these games. Let's do it. Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Double Dragon Neon, Fable 2, Fallout New Vegas, Gears of War 2, Gears of War 3, Gears of War Judgment, Jetpack Refueled, including, and that one is special, it includes touch controls, Cameo, Perfect Dark, Perfect Dark Zero, The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, Viva Pinata with touch controls, I didn't know that, whoa, and Viva Pinata Trouble in Paradise also touch controls controls enabled so again this is uh some crazy cool news xbox is continually uh hitting all the right notes and this is a very important week for them to do that we see and we can we kind of tie these together we're going to talk more about the vita store in a little bit but we have sony on one side of the fence with total disregard for legacy they don't they don't care they're just turning off the store uh many games completely lost and now 
to be fair, Xbox is not is not completely in the clear because not all old Xbox games are backwards compatible, but it's a sure of a hell of a lot better than what Sony is doing, which is just turning off, forgetting, acting like the Vita never even happened. Not quite that bad, but that's what it feels like. We'll get to that. But uh, yeah, if you're a Game Pass Ultimate member, you can get into this collection right now. 16 original Xbox and Xbox 360 games available on Android phones and tablets. Now, you guys are going to have to write into this episode because I don't have an Android phone. So I've, I've never tried xCloud before. I actually, that's actually, that's not completely true. I did try xCloud at E3 because Microsoft, they have their... They had their event at the Microsoft Theater, and they weren't actually in the convention center. They had their own thing at the Microsoft Theater. And so I tried it out there, and it was it was fine. Uh, it wasn't it didn't blow my socks off at the time. It wasn't like I was still had a little bit of noticeable latency to me. But again, you guys know I'm a little more sensitive to the the latency. So but uh no, this is cool. I'm very excited. And I'm just curious about what it means if this is something that people are really latching on to because I I mean I personally don't know. In my circle of friends that play video games, I don't know anyone that uses the uh XCloud service uh, on their phone. So I'm curious about, you know, if this is like a big thing for people. It sounds very cool to me. Now, something really interesting happened earlier where on Twitter, I got to look this up. Sorry, I should have put this in my show notes here. But uh, Phil Spencer, you guys know him. Uh, he posted a tweet. Okay. This is a little bit of um, a, tr- a thread here. Okay. Walmart, the Walmart Twitter account initially posted tweet about xCloud saying looking to take your xbox experience on the go check out the new xCloud the new cloud gaming beta with xbox game pass ultimate with walmart and learn more with a link phil spencer retweets this and says great job by at walmart spotlighting how xCloud works with xgpu and what you need to give it a try not that exciting you know just whatever sounds like some marketing stuff where this gets interesting, though, is a user on Twitter named Demon, at Demon5379, simply responds and says, iOS soon? Question mark. Phil Spencer replies and just says, one word, yes. So I thought this was, I, I thought this was cool. I thought it was interesting that he just like, was like, yep. It's coming soon. Now, here's the question. Is this going to be uh, actually soon? That's the thing. Soon is a... We don't really know how soon is soon. Soon to one. Could be a week. Maybe soon is one month. We don't know. I'm going to say it's gonna. It's sooner than we think, just in the fact that he, he could have easily just ignored the tweet. But... The fact that he came out and just said yes, I think says something. I don't I don't know what it says exactly, but it, it says something. But what's interesting about that in particular is that, as you guys may know, 
Sony, or not Sony, Microsoft has had issues getting xCloud onto iOS due to the fact of the iOS store rules. They say it has something to do with the fact that they're not able to properly rate the different games that are in the store because the, the, the iOS store has their own rating system. And so they were claiming that that's the reason why they didn't like it. But there are other options. And how this is going to work, which I think they've confirmed this, is that they will be using the Safari web browser in your iPhone. And I've done this actually with the uh, Amazon service, which I've already forgotten what it's called. Uh, and that's how they're able to skirt around those App Store rules. Is there any negative effects to this? I don't really know, to be honest. I wonder if the connection would still be just as strong. But it is an interesting thought, nonetheless. I wasn't particularly impressed with Amazon's solution. didn't feel that great to me. But again, you guys know, I'm very, very, very picky about latency and things of that nature. But either way, it's cool to see that kind of movement for something like this. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing real, guy, real quick, guys, about this solo podcast is that I like to take drinks regularly during a show because I feel like it helps my voice. Like, I feel like my voice is, like, deep down, getting a little dry already. But then it's awkward if I'm just sitting here, like, casually, like, hmm. You guys have to potentially hear me, my fucking gullet, make a big gulp. I don't know how to, I don't know how to avoid that. I don't know how to avoid the pause. But uh, I guess we're just going to roll with it. Yes, I guess. I don't I don't know. I don't know what Maddie does. What does Maddie do? Does he just say fuck it and take a big long drink? I don't know. Either way, XCloud, uh getting those backwards compatible games. What do you guys this is the question. What games would you guys like to see from the three sixty generation on uh XCloud? I'm trying to think. I mean they got Oblivion on there. Uh Oblivion is very good. And one of my favorites. So I'm trying to figure out what the what would be a great game for that service in particular. Because a lot of these games, like, I just don't want to play on my iPhone. Like, when I'm thinking about my favorite 360-era games, whether it's uh, Alan Wake, Bioshock, which you can play on the Switch anyway, um, Grand Theft Auto, uh, Dark Souls. None of those games I want to play on my phone. That's the thing. When I saw that Viva Pinata with touch controls, that sounds that sounds pretty appealing. I like that idea of playing Viva Pinata as if it was a, a mobile game. That sounds very cool. So let me know what you guys think. What games do you want to see from the 360 or the original Xbox generation pop in? Okay, let's go ahead and move on. We've We've talked about this enough, I think. I think so. Uh, this is a quick one, but Ratchet and Clank, a few days ago, Insomniac came out and said, hey, we're working on a 60 FPS patch, expect it in April. The very next day, they say, hey, guess what? It's out. Bing! I think it was on March 31st that that happened, that Wednesday. No, maybe it was Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. 
because I was streaming and I streamed it that day. And there were people, I posted a tweet that said, hey, everybody, I'm streaming the update for Ratchet and Clank. And people were like, it's not out yet. I'm like, are you sure about that? Are you sure? And I was. So it's available now. Um, Some of you may know and have already received the game for free. It was part of the Play at Home program. You could get it for free. I think this is like the second or third time Sony has offered this game for free, which is cool. Uh, I do, I'm do. i pretty sure that it's no longer available. So if you did not redeem it, the, the time is up. I'm sorry. You were too slow. Too slow to get Ratchet and Clank. But uh, as far as the update, the update's fantastic. Now... I wasn't running any kind of like frame rate analysis tools or or like pixel counting trying to figure out like if it was how close it was to true true 4K but from what I could tell I thought it looked and played absolutely fantastic and I'm I'm not I don't want to be a frame rate elitist. I won't be because I know not everyone is. I'm not going to call you dumb. I'm not going to say you you just don't get it whatever, but I will just give out my own opinion here and say that I do believe that games in higher frame rate, from 30 to 60 particularly, are just, they feel better to play. And when games feel better to play, they are more fun, in my opinion. They're just simply more fun. And so when I was playing this Ratchet & Clank update, I was like, wow, this is how this game should have felt day one. And that's the thing is that I would I would have preferred it be lower quality graphics at a 60 FPS frame rate. Always. Like like even in the new um new Demon Souls remake, there's an option to do 60 FPS or uh 30 FPS at 4K 30 and it's like no. In in no reality, especially with a game like that, you definitely want to play. Obviously, there's certain games that it matters less, like if you're playing uh Persona, right? You don't need 60 but even then, I think that it has a, a nice quality to it that I that I really like. Now, while we're talking about it, let's just let's just talk about this for a minute, guys. Obviously, there's been a big discussion around 120 FPS, and I do like 120 FPS quite a lot um, to the point that I have higher refresh rate monitors and I have an OLED downstairs to take advantage of it when games have it and. While the jump isn't as noticeable from 30 to 60, um, it still is very smooth. It's more noticeable on a PC from what I've noticed. And I don't know if it's just because you're closer to the screen. For example, uh, I was playing uh, Outriders, which we can talk about that in a little bit. I was playing Outriders, and I was having some problems because the PC version, for me, had a lot of weird hitching and stuttering issues so I was trying to like dial back the settings and yeah it I was trying to dial it to 60 when I had it up above 100 FPS and it did I was like whoa this feels a lot worse playing it at 60 I was like wow am I, I've really become an elitist but no it, I think it's particularly like a PC thing where it feels worse I still could have played it I'm not I'm not turning my nose up to 60 FPS. Don't get me wrong, but I was like, whoa, that's a pretty big difference. <clears throat> okay. So yeah, Ratchet and Clank, 60 FPS update. It's out there. Go 
get it. Uh, let's see. What's next? What's next on my notes here? I clicked away from my notes tab. Rookie mistake. Okay. Some event talk. Let's talk about some events. PAX East is canceled. So this was originally, normally PAX East happens in like late March, early April. Usually it's around March time frame. Well, obviously, uh, after what's happened this past year, it got moved. It was originally supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen this summer, I believe, because it got pushed from March 2021 to sometime this summer. They have just gone out and canceled it, which is probably not probably it is the right move. You know, we're still uh, working our way towards a time when we can all get together. And for me, this is sad just because I have been to many Paxis and always had such a great time at them. And I really was hoping um, I'm not hoping like I'm not upset about the decision. It's just an upsetting it's upsetting about the overall situation for many people and honestly this is the the least worry uh as opposed to all the different ways that uh this pandemic has affected people don't take it that way that i'm like i'm sad i can't go to talk about video games somewhere um which i am sad about but just keep the context right you know but uh yeah pax east uh what i was really hoping is that this year uh maddie and i wanted to because he always goes and what's funny is we've both been to Paxi's at the same time and but we didn't really know each other at the last Paxi's I saw Maddie walking into the press room but I didn't know if it was him because I'd never seen him in person and this was before like I I loosely knew about him and his content but I didn't know him that well I was like I wonder if that's Maddie I should talk to him but I'm I'm too shy. Did not I did not run up to him or anything like that. Maybe I should have. The bromance could have even begun even earlier. That would have been that would have been something. But what I would have liked is that we could have maybe since both of us were there do some kind of ham radio meetup or something maybe apply for a panel. I don't know. But uh no, that won't be happening. Now, the other event news is that E3 this year, there were some rumors going around from some industry analysts that they were going to be doing their online event. And the big stinger there was that some of these analysts said that E3, okay, this was, okay, I can call it specific people here, calling them out. No, uh, Nibel or Nibel, I never know how to say his name, it's Nibelian on Twitter. Uh, well, I guess, no, okay, I'm not calling him out directly. Uh, VideoGameChronicle.com posted an article. It said, E3 2021 will be a digital event and could be behind a paywall. And then he went on and said, E3 stands for Electronic Entertainment Experience now. The ESA wants to partner with NVIDIA to deliver on-demand stream game demos. The paid access pass can include extra access for those mentioned demos. Paid access is not set in stone yet, and, and they could backtrack. Uh, and also, a little tidbit from the article says, Multiple publishing sources told VGC that they expected to provide some content for the digital E3 event as a show of support for the ESA, but, that would ultimately re- but they would ultimately reserve their main reveals for separate, independent digital events held uh, like those held last year. Okay, so we can, let's talk about this. 
E3. Uh, man, I I don't even know what is going to happen to E3. And honestly, E3 has been on its way out for a while, guys. It's uh, It's not good news, but... You've seen E3 make moves in order to try to survive. We've seen them open up uh, to the public in order to bring in more revenue. And that was a big detriment to the show, really. And here's the thing. I can't really speak from experience because my first E3 was the first one that was open to the public actually i was there because i got an industry pass that i won through playstation but it was very clear they weren't ready for all these extra people that were there you could barely walk around in the halls it was it was bad like you can do things to accommodate for the more people you can have more uh walkway space you might have to eliminate some booths but uh, they definitely didn't seem like they were quite prepared. Now, the two years after that, uh, was it two years or just one? Two years, right. I went once by myself, once with uh, my buddy and the editor of Last Stand Media, Ben. And then the year after that, Ben and I went again with my our, our uh, the editor of Handsome Phantom, our friend Phil Nyman. So, uh, and it got a little better each year, but clearly incorporating those extra people was definitely a play to uh, get more money because here's the thing about uh, E3. E3 is put on by the ESA, the Electronic Software Association. This is the governing body that uh, basically the industry, big publishers and stuff, they pay to be a part of it and the ESA represents them for the government, the U.S. government. Uh, they were formed around the time uh, with when a lot of the rating stuff was going down with the ER- ESRB. And basically, the government was like, hey, if you don't regulate yourself as far as like a rating system, a universal rating system, we are going to come in and regulate you. And the video game industry did not want uh, regulation. So, uh, the, obviously, the ESRB was born and the ESA along with it. Now, where does E3 come in? So E3 is was once the event that uh, spun off from uh, what's the uh, the tech show? Man, I'm blanking. Um, what's the tech show in Vegas? the The audience is screaming right now at me. Wow! If you should search uh, tech show, uh, CES. That's it. So it used to be that the video game providers or video game makers provide video game provider wow see this is what happens when you're 26 minutes into your solo show video games were lumped into ces and so eventually they got spun off into their own event with the esa called e3 and so where i'm getting at with all this is that the esa actually uh generates half last time i saw it was half of their income from e3 so it's a very important event for the esa to even survive. So that's why uh, they've been pushing. If you guys may remember before uh, the pandemic, there were rumors about what their revamped E3 was going to look like. It was going to be very like influencer heavy and very focused on the consumer aspect. But 
That didn't happen at all, obviously. And so now we see them pivoting towards a electronic entertainment experience event that'll be all digital. So I don't think this is going to be a success at all. And I think that this little section from the article saying multiple sources are only giving them scraps to put as part of this event, the publishers know they don't they don't need the E3 for this. They don't need them. We've seen this over and over. These companies can throw their own events and have 100% of the attention for that day or that time frame, whatever. They'll pro- they may double up on certain days depending on how uh, the summer goes. But why would they need someone else to debut their game when they can pull their own? Now, obviously, not every publisher can can do this. There's definitely a market of smaller games that need a platform in order to show show themselves off, show it off to the people, a big event, multiple games, different publishers. And I think the industry is uh there are platforms for these people and I think that one of one of them the uh Summer Game Fest Jeff Keeley puts on is a great one of those great ones where they they do different stuff like that to, in order to highlight different uh smaller publishers and developers stuff like that. So Oh, I forgot to I forgot to even mention one of the most important details. So, uh, in this big article, it was or the article from Video Game Chronicle, they talked about it could be behind a paywall in order to get access to these streaming demos that they would partner through Nvidia, presumably using Nvidia's streaming service called Nvidia Now. E3 went and retweeted. They did a quote tweet and said E3's 2021 Digital Show is a free event for all attendees. We're excited to fill you in on all the real news for the event soon. I like that. That you know, that's a little. That was a little bit of a jab there. All the real news. So it's like, hey, whatever news you got here, that's the fake news. You know, I'm sure it's not all fake. I'm sure some of it's real. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how they navigate. Can they survive another year without a, a paid event? And it's not just the fact that I think that their digital event is going to struggle. Their their live in-person event has started to really struggle. We've seen Sony back away completely from the event. That was a, that was a really big one. And Xbox, while they're still involved, uh, their event totally – their presence on the show floor is gone. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, they were part uh, – over in the Microsoft – theater instead of in the actual convention center and that's um it's pretty telling when you have two made the the two platform holders still there or still still not there gone from the show floor nintendo was the only one of the three that was still there hanging out and they've always have crazy booths let me tell you big and it's like a it's like it feels like being in like disney world they uh i think the last last year i was there was before uh Pokemon Sun and Moon? No, not Sun and Moon. What's the latest one? Sword and Shield came out. And uh, they set up the entire booth to look like... Not even the entire booth, I guess. Just a very, very large section to be like a Pokemon gym. It was pretty cool. So, we shall see about what happens with E3. Um, Hopefully they can make it out. Because I really like E3, even though I, I fully acknowledge it's waning... Uh, importance among the industry but i always enjoy going so 
was a little bit of an extra long drink there. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the audio listeners. They're just like, I disappear for a minute. And they're like, did he die? What happened? Okay. We're keeping it a little light on news, like I said, just because I want to focus in on some of these listener questions. Because I don't want to, you know, we can talk about a lot of the other news when uh, when Maddie and Carrick are here. I think that will be the best overall experience for the listeners. But I have to mention, of course... The closure, the incoming closure of the Vita, PlayStation 3, and PSP stores. And so, basically, we had a report last week from The Gamer, which I, on this show and on other shows, said that I did not believe entirely. And it turns out they were totally right. They were definitely right that uh, the store is closing. And here are the details. The PS3 and PS Vita stores close... um, Wait, this isn't right. What I wrote down here isn't right. The Vita store is closing on August 27th for sure. And uh, so basically what's going to happen is on that day, uh, you will not be able to purchase anything anymore. So the store will still kind of be there, but you can't buy anything. You will only be able to re-download the things you've already bought. So this is this is sad for a lot of reasons. In fact, I wanted to bring up this article from videogamechronicle.com. It says, 2,000 digital-only games will disappear when PlayStation closes its stores. Here's the breakdown on that. 630 digital-only video Vita games, 730 digital-only PS3 games, a small number, number of digital-only PSP games, 293 PlayStation Minis, 336 PS2 Classics, and around 260 PS1 classics that are playable on PSP and Vita. So yeah, this is it's it's crappy. Obviously, here's the thing guys, we don't I don't expect Sony to keep these stores open forever. No one does. You know, you can't I don't maybe maybe we should though. I mean, I'm thinking now. I'm already playing devil's advocate with myself. I'm like, well, Xbox is definitely doing a lot better job with legacy maybe maybe there is solutions to this but yeah this this is unfortunate and I think here's the thing I want to highlight right now is that you guys know I work for Last Stand Media I'm the executive producer over there and um not Last Stand Media but uh technically our overall company which is still Collins Last Stand we do business as Last Stand Media whatever we own part of a developer, Lilymo Games. And so our recent release was Twin Breaker. I feel weird saying ours because it's not really me. I've done very minimal work when it comes to these games. I do not consider myself a game developer by any sense, but it's part of what our, our company does. So that's why I say our. So I just want to be clear about that. We are Lilymo releases games that primarily for Vita. Vita is the target platform all of the games came to vita even recently this year uh lilimo released hybroxia 2 and and vita was the target platform and basically then they develop for vita and then they build upwards for playstation 4 xbox pc and even newer titles uh will be coming to ps5 and xbox series x or series s of course so here's the issue is that Sony sent out this email announcing the closure of the stores and basically gave developers saying, hey, you have by this date 
it was I think it was in June, maybe maybe July, that if you want to release your game in the store, you've got to you know submit it to us by this date. And even then, you only have a very short window in order to have people even purchase that game, right? So it's a very disappointing situation because literally the day that this happened, Barry, who is the you know the main solo slide well not I guess he's not solo because now he has Colin, but the main developer at Lilymo, he's the one who owns the majority of the company and does most of the stuff when it comes to the games. He, you know, does the coding, though there are other freelancers involved that do uh some different stuff, whether it's art or music. But he was working on Vita related tasks that day. And so there was a lot of invested time in a game for Vita that can no longer release on Vita because Sony just was like, yep, we're shutting it off. And what Colin said on Sacred Symbols, which I highly recommend either joining the Last Stand Media Patreon and that you can listen to it early, or it'll be out this coming Monday. Uh, what Colin was basically saying is that... Uh, you know, they're, they're going to be less affected because they're going to be releasing games elsewhere and they can take the hit. Other developers don't have it so good in the fact that this is a huge loss. The fact that Sony is dropping the ball out of nowhere. So the the, the big problem, okay, obviously we, we can talk about legacy and preserving games and how that's an issue. And I, I, I agree. But... A really massive issue is Sony's treatment of the developers right now. You know, other other storefronts, I'd have to look up these specific numbers. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is normal, but I recall when the Wii first of all, when the Wii Shop shut down, I don't believe there were any active developers developing for Wii Shop. And there was a much wider time frame between when you could stop buying stuff and then when you could stop downloading stuff. Which, by the way, eventually they're going to stop. You have to imagine that eventually you're going to be able to stop downloading these Vita games also. They didn't put a date on when you can stop downloading, but you have to imagine that they're going to stop at some point. So, just a really shitty move. And it comes at such an interesting time when we see Xbox really lead the pack, uh, lead the charge when it comes to preserving legacy and, you know, oh, I there's a big news story that we didn't talk about. Honestly, it's so interesting. I kind of think we should just save it for when the guy, the, the, the you know, when Maddie and Carrick are here. Uh, about MLB. MLB The Show coming to Game Pass uh, day one is insane. But, yeah, so it's just, it just, it's crappy all around and... I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to leave it at that because we'll let the guys, uh, we'll have a full on conversation about it next week. Cause as you know, Maddie loves the Vita as well. And I'm sure he'll have plenty to say. Okay. We're moving into listener questions. I mean, I guess we could, say, yeah, we, we touched on MLB the show coming to Xbox game pass day one. Let's save that. I think that's a worth. That's a juicy one guys. I'm sorry. It's a, uh, I, I alone cannot bear the load of that especially too because maddie has experience playing those games i've never played mlb the show ever so i, I have no clue anything about that other than just the, the the business going on right now the the crazy uh you know left turns here for uh totally out of left field okay i'll see myself out 
Okay. Let's um let's do the listener questions. How long are we in? It's 40 minutes. Okay. I'm feeling good. Are you guys feeling good? I don't have the, the Twitch uh chat to, to give me confirmation. You're listening to this and I'm probably like, I don't know, sleeping or something now at this point in, in real life time. But let's get into these listener questions. First one comes from Felix Check. Felix says, Good evening, Mr. Fly. Of course, that's from my my screen name, my Twitch name, Twitter name, Dustin Camfly. You were talking about all of the all of those crossover between the channels, but is but is it part of your master plan to take over everything? Jokes aside, Maddie talks a lot about how much he loves TMNT games and shows. What franchise, movie, anime, cartoon, or even a book would you like to see? get a video game adaptation. Hmm. Well, first of all, when it comes to my master plan, of course, my master plan is going swimmingly. Okay, you guys have to remember, I started as an editor that I edited Knockback. I was I just edited the show Knockback for Colin and here I am now. I'm ready to take over this bitch. Okay? You better watch out. Dustin's going to be the new primary host of Ham Radio. No, I'm totally totally kidding. But let's see what franchise movie anime cartoon I don't know if I have a good answer for this I mean this is always a hard question for me because sometimes I just feel like uh, certain like things are fine as their respective medium I guess in that I don't feel like I want a video game version of a movie, I guess more so like a video game maybe taking place in the world of a movie. Which here okay, here's what I'll say. I would like a open world video game set in the world of Blade Runner. Now, of course, a lot of people say Dustin, that's just cyberpunk. No. I think we could do it. We can do cyberpunk better. And I really like the, um, you know, the idea of like maybe you are a Blade Runner and it's more of a detective angle. You're trying to find the replicants. You know, there's there's a lot of different possibilities, and you could do, I mean, you could do a darker cyberpunk world uh, than cyberpunk, really. Because uh, if you guys seen, if you guys have seen Blade Runner 2049, I feel like it's like extra, extra gritty. You know, so. Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, turn Cyberpunk, which of course, Cyber, or not Cyberpunk, turn Cyberpunk into a game. <laughs> Maybe that's something they should do. <laughs> turn Cyberpunk into a real game, no. Um, so yeah, uh, Blade Runner. This Okay, I, I lost my train of thought there. Blade Runner, what's interesting is that Blade Runner is based on a book called uh, Do, let's see, Blade Runner, Do Electric Sheep. It's called... Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which I believe is like a collection of short stories, maybe, um, that Blade Runner was based off of. Of course, Philip K. Dick. Check it out, all you classic literature fans. I've never read it. I probably should check it out. So it would be a game based on a movie, based on a book. There you go. Hopefully that answers your question, Felix. Moving along here, Paco Luigi writes in and says, Greetings, gentleman. What drew you to the Souls-like genre? 
what should we expect next on your streams? Plug away, best Paco. Well, I guess this is the time to plug my stream. If you want to hang out on my streams, uh, it's twitch.tv slash justacamfly. And Paco is right. We have been long streaming Souls games on the channel, basically since its inception back in January. Uh, it started with me wanting to do a Sekiro Platinum run, which I did succeed in doing. But that's not the question. The question is, what drew me to Souls? And the truth is, I was not drawn to Souls initially. The first Souls game I ever played was Demon Souls on the PlayStation 3. I played through the first level. Uh, I beat the, you know, the blobby guy. I can't remember his name. You guys know what I'm talking about. The blobby guy with the shields. And then I beat the Tower Knight and I started the next level, uh, the one in the mine. I was like, yeah, this this ain't it. I don't like this. I was in ninth grade, I think at the time, ninth or tenth grade. And so I dropped it. Eventually, Dark Souls come out comes out. I rented it from Redbox for Xbox 360. And I played a little bit. I did not get it. I was like, I don't I don't like this. Whatever. I tried again. I did not like it. So then I went to when Dark Souls 2 came out. I was like, this is the time. I bought Dark Souls 2 at launch for PC. And I think I got to um when you're kind of in that cave underground with like the pirate ship and you fight the skeleton guy. Sorry guys, I cannot remember these boss names. I just I just can't. There's too many. I got to that and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I don't want to play this. So something changed though. Bloodborne comes. And I was like, whoa, this is a lot faster paced. I'm gonna have to check this out. Bought it on launch day. And I fell in love with Bloodborne. Holy shit. This was amazing. Like, what, what I may have told this story in the show. I'll just say briefly. What's interesting about Bloodborne is that I played it. I was playing it. And I really liked it. And I ended up getting really sick. Like, I had a really bad fever. To the point where I was like, I cannot go to work. I am I am ill and I will infect those around me. I can. I don't even want to move. All I want to do is sit on the couch or sleep. And so for, I think, three days, all I did was sleep and play Bloodborne. And by the end, you know, maybe not by the end. By the end, I was feeling better. But, you know, midway, it was like a fever dream. It was awesome. All I was doing was playing Bloodborne. And it was like this amazing three days where I just completely dove headfirst into this game. And it's one of my favorite games of all time now because of it. So since then I went, I played dark souls three at launch, loved it. Thought it was great. Sekiro. I had a little bit more of a troubled relationship with in the fact that I, I did not get it at first. I tried to play it like it was bloodborne and eventually dropped it and then came back a few months later, beat it. And I totally redeemed myself by getting the the platinum later. It eventually clicked, and then I went back and I um I played Dark Souls one, Dark Souls two, and the Demon Souls remake. So uh, I've now played all of the Dark Souls games, and I guess the quite what draws me to them now is that I like 
I don't know. I mean, I guess this is just a stereotypical answer for Dark Souls, but I just, I love the level of challenge. Once you, initially, I think what I was frustrated is that I didn't understand, like, what the game wanted from me. You know, like, I didn't understand how to play because I was just so used to running up and just attacking, 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 and not trying to play defensively, right? Like, I came from a background, not that this was, you know, right before I played Demon's Souls for the first time, but I came from a background of playing a lot of action RPGs, stuff like Kingdom Hearts, where it's like you're not doing a lot of dodging or rolling. You're just kind of attacking and running around. So once I understood what the games wanted from me, the challenge was no longer embedded in the difficulty of playing the game. It was the actual mechanics and how the game wanted to challenge me at that point. Does that make sense? I feel like that sounded a little confusing. Maybe it didn't. I I don't know. But hopefully that answers the question. But I'm very, very excited, of course, for Elden Ring. And surely, surely it's soon. Guys, it's got to be soon. It's got to be soon at this point, right? Just keep hoping. Keep praying. I'm excited. I'm excited for the idea of what an open, a more open world Souls game is like. Because... Dark Souls is not really open world. It's like interconnected linear worlds that have branching, smalling branching paths, right? So what could a true open world Dark Souls game look like? I don't know, but I'm very excited to find out. I trust Miyazaki very much. And I just hope, um, I mean, I'll be playing the game on PC day one just because I have had, you know, Sekiro at launch on on ps4 was not great the frame rate's not good um demon souls remake of course was very good but it wasn't actually from software i've always said that that's uh that's from software's achilles heel you know they made a miyazaki he made a deal with the devil and devil said listen you're gonna release some of the most beloved games by the entire gaming community in fact you're even gonna win game of the year for one of your games, maybe more, but they will have technical problems, but not enough to get people to stop playing, but just enough to piss them off. And that's the history. That's what, that's what, <laughs> that's what's happened with the, uh, from software. Each, each game at launch has just not been, been great as far as uh, technical aspects. So yeah, I'll be playing on, on PC for sure. Okay, Shogun Flame wrote wrote in to me and said, "Welcome to the ranks of the lone podcasters, you beautiful bastard." Now, going off what you talked about last week, I had to buy myself another Xbox and PS4, so I don't need to take them back and forth. I only have one PS5, but it will stay in my office. I'm too lazy to move that ugly thing. Harsh words here from Shogun Flame. Anyway. Off to the questions. Oh yeah, that was in reference to me talking about uh, potentially buying a second PS5 for uh, so I could keep one up here in my office and one downstairs. Guys, I thought about that some more. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't. First of all, I literally can't because I wouldn't be able to find a PS5. And I'm too much of a cheapskate, as I said. I just like, I'll sit and agonize sometimes over like a $3 purchase. Like, okay, this is a great example. You guys know that these are my normal headphones that I rock. 
I've had these headphones for probably over 10 years now, I think. I maybe got them when I was 18 or 19. And I've had to replace the the foam pads in them. But this top part, I mean, I don't know if this is showing up on video. It looks awful, especially around the band. It's not, I mean, I don't think it's yellowed from my head sweat. Um, but they look bad. They, I mean, these practically look like they could have been inside someone's asshole at this point. Who knows where they've been? I mean, not inside, not inside my asshole, of course. No, I'd never do such thing, but maybe someone snuck in my house and did that or something. Okay. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stop there. But the point is I've needed new headphones very long, but these still worked. So I eventually bought myself just today. I bought myself these new Sony noise canceling headphones and I have to say I like them a good deal uh and I got them for a good deal as well but yeah I'm cheap I I don't think I could buy a second PS5 just and not move around if I could get a PS5 a second PS5 for like 200 bucks and not 500 maybe maybe I would buy a second one but not right now no I can't do it okay here's uh Shogun Flames actual question If you had the chance to change something from your past without knowing what could happen from you removing a rock from one river, would you? And would you kindly keep fighting the good fight? Ooh, this is getting philosophical. I need to to take a sip here. The answer is no. Definitely. No, I would not change anything. Obviously, I've made mistakes. Everyone has made mistakes that, like, you know, you're... Laying in bed trying to fall asleep and you think about that mistake you made and go, you can like feel it in your stomach. Everyone has that, right? And I have to say that I feel like um, I've been very blessed overall. Obviously, my life isn't perfect, but um, I'm really happy with how a lot of things are going. Um, You guys know I've talked about my wife, Holly. We have a great relationship. We live in this house that my parents sold me. Uh, I have the job that I worked for years to try to get that, like, literally, I probably would have had a different answer for you a few years ago, actually, now, because my journey to getting a job in the games industry was very difficult. Um, And I think that's probably the case for a lot of people. You work really hard. Um... You put out podcasts and you make videos that no one watches because the market is so saturated. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you're making good content or at least you feel like you are in your heart of hearts. You're like, I worked really hard on this. I find it entertaining. My friends have watched it. They say it's entertaining, but no one's watching it. And it's extremely demoralizing over and over to make content or make a podcast or whatever and not have anyone listen. But I stuck with it for uh, years, literally. And um, I've said this before, and I guess I'll say it again, is that for me, it was a matter of, and not just for me, I think this is the case for everybody that wants to get into the industry or anything that's hard to get into like this. There's no magic solution. There's no magic bullet. Like instant, this will get you a job. You could have a, a four-year degree in journalism and have a video background. It doesn't. That's not going to guarantee you anything. The key is that how many times are you willing to roll the dice? 
How many times are you willing to put yourself out there? Like, how many times are you willing to submit an application? How many times are you willing to make a video? Maybe this will be the video. Maybe this will be the thing I do that takes off. Maybe it won't be. The reality is if you don't roll the dice, then there's no chance of it ever happening. So that's what I always tell people is if you want to get in, you really have to just stick with it. And it's sad because there's no guarantee that anything you do is ever going to necessarily work out. But um, doing good work, it, it does get you noticed by by people. Having a body of work, having showing that dedication, uh, that is what can get you places. I mean, the fact that I had so much experience editing audio and working in the you know around the industry. I mean, I I've never asked Colin why he hired me. I'm actually really curious about that. Like why, why was I the person at the right time that sent the right email? But again, that was, that was me rolling dice. I rolled the dice many times before that, you know, I'd, I'd interviewed at IGN even, and it didn't work out in multiple interviews. I ended up being close to being the final selection. It didn't work out extremely, extremely, uh, difficult thing for me to get that close and not make it. Um, so tying this into Shogun Flames, you know, question about if you had one chance to change something, uh, without knowing the effect, would you? No, definitely not. Um, and I say that from knowing how, uh, quite frankly, lucky I am. It, I mean, it's a, it's not just luck though. Like obviously you can't just have no skill and land the, the job, the house, the family that you want. You can't put nothing in. Um, it does for some people. I would say it won't last very long if you don't have skills to back it up. But um, yeah, I, I, sorry. I don't I don't know exactly where I'm going other than no. I, I, I wouldn't change it. And I know that there's a lot of people that, that would change things. Um, and so I don't I don't want it to sound like, you know, I'm, I, I never take it for granted. Obviously, there's times where I'm working on something. I might be frustrated. I might be tired. But I, I said this to Holly um, is that like m- basically my worst day working for Last Stand Media is still way better than um, really any of the other professional jobs I've had. And not that the, my other jobs are horrible. I just really, really love what I do. Um, and I hope it shows through in the work because, um, I'm very passionate about it. So no, I wouldn't change anything at all. I'm very happy. Uh, and I'm very thankful that I'm happy. Okay. Last. Okay. We got a double question from natural calamity to round out and end this show. I think I've gotten a good flow now for this solo podcasting. I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know. Actually, no, don't let me know. Unless you have nice things to say. I can't handle the negative feedback. Actually, let's, I can I can handle it. I can handle it. Just be nice about it. Natural Calamity. A genre I adore is strategy RTS games, but I am dreadful at them. I will leave a game when I see myself losing, and I have been slowly getting better, placing increasingly more with... Uh, better playing increasingly more with XCOM to Wasteland 3 to Desperados 3. And most recently, I am playing Empire of Sin. I'm doing pretty well with this one. What series or genre draws you in, but you are laughably bad at, but you still keep coming back for more? I haven't answered this. 
my genre that I'm very bad at and I every maybe once a year go to check out is fighting games. I don't get fighting games. I can play Smash. I'm actually decent at Smash when I'm regularly playing. But like Street Fighter, Tekken, Blaze Blue, whatever, I don't even know how to play them. I just feel like I'm mashing buttons. I don't get it. I know there's combos, but I just don't I don't get the flow of them. I really don't. I would love someone who's like really good at fighting games to sit me down in person and show me how to play fighting games. What is the mechanics? Like what is it's more than pressing the button. It's reading your opponent and figuring out uh, the flow, the combos, stuff like that. So, yeah. Still to this day, I'd love to play more fighting games. Some of the anime, the weeb fighting games look very cool. Um, there was one not too long ago um, that was based off the mobile game. Um, I feel like my tendency to blank out on these podcasts is, uh, on these solo podcasts, much easier, easier. But, but yeah, even the Persona fighting game that came out, I like didn't really know how to play. I basically played through it on easy. And I was like, I don't get this. So I don't know. Maybe at some point. Maybe at some point I'll get it. Okay. Last question from Natural Calamity. It says, I am finishing all the Halo games. I finished one, two, three, and I'm now I'm going through four right now, but I have to admit the campaign is a slog and is really tedious to go through for Halo Infinite. Uh, really tedious to go through. For Halo Infinite, you gotta watch those, uh, that uh, punctuation there, Natural Calamity. For Halo Infinite, I have to fear it'll be the same. Period. There should be a period there. Do you see them adding loadouts and stuff of that sort? Or things to really work within the campaign, like maybe adding back skull collectibles. Um, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to this because I think in some ways they're going to want to keep things classic. And I think maybe I was thinking about this. The best option is for them to have a classic Halo mode for uh halo infinite and then they have a more modernized that has like sprinting and stuff like that one more arena based one more modern i don't really know what they're going to do they're kind of in a rock and a hard place they they have to modernize but also their most hardcore fans do not want things to change the market wants things to change hardcore halo fans don't so i don't really know how they're going to handle that that'll be an interesting one that might be a good question to bring up uh with the boys uh, next week because I think they have more strong opinions I'm kind of a an ex-Halo fan at this point not that I don't love Halo I still do but I just am not excited about the series like I once was but I'm definitely checking out Halo Infinite day one you can bet your ass I'll be doing that but uh this is the end of the show we've made it to an hour my throat kind of hurts but it was worth it it was worth it for you guys so thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, this solo episode of Ham Radio. I'm sorry the boys couldn't be here, but as I said at the top, hopefully you guys understand. And uh, if you want to uh, follow me on Twitter to get more connected, you can let me know uh, some of your different thoughts. You can follow me at DustinCanFly. It's also my Twitch name, twitch.tv slash DustinCanFly. Maddie and I are hoping to do another Outrider stream at some point. Our Outrider stream was a bit of a disaster, and that's why I didn't really talk about it. 
co- our, our codes were provided by Square Enix. I have to include that uh, that disclosure. But uh, our stream, the servers were not working, and it was not a good experience. So hopefully next ham radio we can give you our full impressions of Outriders. I'm looking forward to that very much. And of course, uh, support your boy Maddie over on Patreon, patreon.com slash plays. And, um, yeah, you can find me in a multitude of ways. I'm on Sacred Symbols most weeks, Sacred Symbols, the PlayStation podcast, or uh, the show I host with Handsome Phantom called the HP Podcast. You can search that, iTunes, Spotify, whatever, uh, and you can find that and give it a listen. So I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend if you're listening to this day of release, or if you're on Sunday, hopefully your weekend was great. So we'll see you guys next week for the next episode of Ham Radio. Until then... We'll see you later.